0: Will you pray with me, please? Lord Jesus Christ, please be our guest, our morning joy and our evening rest. And with this weekly word in part, your grace and truth into our hearts. It's in your name that we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Well, what's this all about, right? That's what we're thinking. What in the world are we gonna do here to start a message entitled, The Hammer of God. Well, with our church staff and their ingenuity, they have constructed this plexiglass shield around which we have a large stone and we've got a sledgehammer. Ladies and gentlemen, don't try this at home. (laughs) We tried this And we videotaped it for use in the sanctuary. We tried it out here in the rocks uh, outside of the worship and event center. And uh, as we're getting this set up and getting things into place, uh, Bobby Cody, our worship arts director, went down to heft the Rock, right? And all of a sudden, I hear this, and I go, Bobby, was that your back? He goes, no, that was my pants. But thankfully, no church workers were harmed in the making of this message this morning. We're going to give this a go. We're going to see how the sledgehammer does against this uh, rock here. All right. A few shards. And a little smoke did it spark at all a little bit no it smells like flint almost like fireworks or something like that it's a hard stone to break and i was giving it some good wax and i just uh, couldn't quite do it a few pieces perhaps but i couldn't shatter the stone you know <clears throat> i've got a question for you as we start our message this morning What is the hardest substance in the world? What is the hardest substance in the world? It's not that rock, right? We know of harder substances. What are some of them that you know? Diamonds. That's number seven on the list. Very good. Titanium, also on the list. Tungsten, not on the list. For all of you nerdstrums out here, here's the list, uh, top seven. Diamonds, number seven. Then titanium, Wurzite, Lawn's Delight, Dyneema, Palladium, which we've heard of, something called Bucky paper, which I've never heard of, and then graphene. Graphene's the hardest substance known on the planet. Um, Younger people out there, surprisingly, you didn't say this, Captain America's shield. I mean, come on. Everybody knows that this unique combination of vibranium steel alloy and an unknown third catalyst that has never been duplicated called proto-adamantium is one of the hardest substances in the universe, at least in the Marvel universe. But think about this question um, from a spiritual perspective. What is the hardest substance in the world from a spiritual perspective? Reverend Dr. David Meyer, who is the outgoing president of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Senate, says this, the hardest substance in the world is the sin-encrusted heart. The hardest substance in the world is the sin-encrusted heart. The heart that insists, I don't need help. The heart that says, no thanks, I'm good. The heart that doesn't believe it needs to be saved. Speaking of hearts, I uh, gave blood a few weeks ago. It was Wednesday, July 27th. I was giving blood right out here in our worship and event center lobby. Uh, Every quarter or so, we have a blood drive and uh, it's a good thing to do to exercise our civic duty and to help those in need. And everything went well with uh, my blood draw. Got a healthy pint there and uh, we're all good to go. And I sit up from having been... Lying down for the donation. And as I sat up, I felt my head get a little dizzy. I'm thinking, well, that's just because I got up so quickly. And the guy came over, one of the attendants there, and said, How are you? And in typical male fashion, I said, Fine. <laughs> thinking to myself, I'm not fine. I'm a little dizzy, and the dizziness isn't going away. Feel a little uneasy. Not quite certain what's going on here. And so in typical male fashion, I get off of the, the, the bed there, grab my brief bag, and I head over to the tables. And as I'm heading over, two of our members who are volunteering for the blood drive, Brenda Sievert, who's also on our worship team, um, and she helps coordinate some of our worship and event center events. But Brenda Sievert's there, and then Catherine Nectarline's also there. And they both look at me, and they go, Pastor, are you okay? And I'm going, yes, I'm fine face wide as a sheet, stumbling over to them. And apparently they also asked me other questions and I wasn't responsive to them. And all I'm thinking about in my mind is I just need to make it to the chair. I just need to make it to the chair. And so I do. And all of a sudden I've got a cold cloth on my forehead, a cold compress on the back of my neck. I'm chugging a bottle of water and having a snack and uh, I start to regulate and feel more like myself. I'm fine. We have this incredible propensity for self-sufficiency, this sin-encrusted human heart of ours. We don't need help. We're good. Thank you very much. And I certainly don't need saving. Writes one atheist, and remember, an atheist is someone who does not believe in the existence of God. Every creature born in this world gets everything that is required to survive. This reliance on the in-house power of the human being involves an extremely high level of consciousness which goes beyond the competence of the common people. In other words, friends, if you believe in the existence of God and if you trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then it's because you're just not that bright. You haven't really thought it through because if you had, you would agree with this atheist author that self-sufficiency is the only way forward for humanity. But when we stop and reflect on this idea, and we look around and, and we actually observe reality, we realize that no person on the planet can survive on their own. Every person, every human being living, owes his or her existence to someone who's come before them. We also know that we not only need each other to survive, but also to thrive as human beings. That we are... Our best, when we're surrounded by family and friends, when we have those social relationships to lean on and rely on in our times of need, to help comfort us when we're down, to challenge us when we need that. We can't do life on our own. We weren't designed that way. We need each other in order to survive, and yes, we need each other in order to thrive. Consider not only the sin-encrusted heart, but also the sin-encrusted mind. The mind that resists the word of God. Despite the overwhelming availability, evidence, and experiential support of the Bible, its central plan of salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone is the most intellectually resisted message in the world. The Bible, number one best-selling book of all time. Defended with textual support, with extra biblical support, defended century after century, defended by archaeological finds, the truth and the reliability of this Word of God that we've been given, and yet its message is so resisted. Bill Maher who is an atheist and host of Real Time with Bill Maher on HBO, he said this at the end of his documentary documentary entitled Religious. Religion is dangerous because it allows people who don't have all the answers to believe that they do. And anyone who tells you that they know what happens when you die, that they just know, I promise you, they don't. How can I be so sure? Because I don't know. And you don't possess mental powers that I don't have. Excuse me, Mr. Marr, but we do possess mental powers that you do not have. It's not that you're not bright or not an intelligent person. You are. But we have the indwelling presence and power of the Holy Spirit. We've been given this capacity to receive saving faith in Jesus Christ and to respond to that faith with lives of dedicated service to God and to others. We have this ability to put the needs of others before ourselves because we've been shown that way through the person and work of God's son, Jesus. And God's word encourages us time and time again to live a selfless life. But this power of the Holy Spirit is what makes the difference. So yes, Mr. Marr, we are different. We are unique because we have something that you do not Possess. And something, quite frankly, that I think in your life you have rejected, and that is the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. Look at this rebuttal from the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 2. What we received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit, explaining spiritual realities with spirit-taught words. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. And then he goes on to write, but we have the mind of Christ. Friends, there was a prophet who desired to break through the sin-encrusted minds and hearts of God's people during his day. Not only with a message of law to convict them of their wayward ways, but also a message of the gospel to encourage them with the promises of God. These were people who were hoping as a nation to be restored and fortified, but who had lost their way, struggling to follow the word and the will of the Lord. His name was Jeremiah. Now, who was Jeremiah? Jeremiah was a bullfrog, was a good friend of mine, never understood a single word he said, but we always had a mighty fine time, singing joy to the world, all the boys and girls now, joy to the fishes in the deep blue sea, joy to you and me. Sometimes it's just that simple, folks. The Old Testament book of Jeremiah is an autobiography of Jeremiah's life and ministry during the reign of the last five kings of the southern kingdom of Judah. The prophet Jeremiah with his scribe Baruch, writing about 600 years before the birth of Jesus, proclaims words of warning from God to his people, but also affirms God's promises to renew his people, including the renewal of their hearts and minds. Jeremiah would write this, This is what the Lord Almighty says. Do not listen to what the prophets are prophesying to you. They fill you with false hopes. They speak visions from their own minds, not from the mouth of the Lord. I did not send these prophets, yet they run with their message. I did not speak to them, yet they have prophesied. But if they had stood in my counsel, they would have proclaimed my words to my people and would have turned them from their evil ways and from their evil deeds. There's something about the power of the word of the Lord that is so compelling that if you are in the presence of God and you are receiving that word, listening to that word, studying that word, sharing that word with others, that the Holy Spirit's working in you and through you to proclaim the very words of the Lord and to convict other people of their sins and encourage other people to live a life in service to God and to others. This is the power of the word of God among us. Jeremiah could not contain this power inside of himself even when he tried to do so. He was so overwhelmed and overcome with the power and promise of God's word, he would dedicate his ministry to it over 40 years of proclaiming the word of the Lord to God's people time and time again, even though king after king and leader after leader of the Israelites would not listen to it, would not apply it and put it into practice. The internalization of God's word for Jeremiah is something that the Lord intends for not only as people of old, but as people of the present. He promises to plant his word inside of us and write it on the tablet of our hearts. And as we receive this message, then we are the ones who are convicted. We acknowledge our sins, we repent of them, and we turn to our Lord and Savior. And it's there that Jesus but the power of his words of forgiveness shatters our pride and breaks up the guilt and shame that we've been harboring in our hearts and that we've been struggling with and wrestling with in our minds. And we are refreshed, renewed, and restored as his people, forgiven and free. Here the words of the prophet Jeremiah once again. This is from chapter 31. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. I will put my law in their minds. I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. For I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. When God remembered his word, He also remembered his covenant promise to his people that he would be their God and they would be his people and that this was only possible if sin was dealt with, if pride was broken, if shame and guilt didn't have a place in that relationship. And that was only possible through the sending of Jesus. And it would be Jesus during his earthly public ministry who would gather with his disciples in the upper room to remember a deliverance event called the Passover from the Old Testament. And then Jesus would do something new in the present for his disciples and those who would follow Christ after them to remember his sacrifice for them. And also to look forward to a special feast that would happen when he would return and gather everyone to himself. And it would be there in that upper room the night before his crucifixion that Jesus would refer directly to Jeremiah's prophecy and say, take and eat, this is my body. Take and drink, this is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Christ's covenant blood was shed not because he had been unfaithful, but because humanity had rebelled had rebelled against God, ignored the word of the Lord, and instead listened to the false prophecy of their day. But Jesus' blood of the new covenant is poured out for you and for me, for the forgiveness of our sins, and to make that eternal relationship with our Lord possible, to continue in that covenant relationship with the Lord forever. Friends, Jesus Christ is the word made flesh And it's his word of promise for you and for me that serves as fire, fire that forgives and consumes all of our sins and forges our character. And it's Jesus' word of promise for you and me that breaks the sin-encrusted mind and heart that we possess at times, that does what I couldn't do with this stone. It breaks through the hardest substance in the world. Forgives us of our sins. Eliminates that separation between us and God the Father and establishes a covenant relationship between us and the Lord forever. That is the beauty and the blessing of the hammer of God and the word of God made flesh, Jesus Christ our Lord. Friends, today in this service, Jesus will invite you to take and eat, to take and drink, receive and believe and through that gift of holy communion through that gift of body and blood through that broken body and shed blood on the cross Jesus forgives your sins strengthens your faith unites you with him and empowers you to live more fully for God and for others and all God's people received it believed it and said amen Amen.